0: What's good everybody and welcome to another episode of the Amateur Like a TIS podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields got a good show here for you on this Wednesday, Saint Patrick's Day, March seventeenth, the year two thousand and twenty one. Be all over Uh, March Madness, uh, as you know, with the brackets and Final Four predictions. Colin Russo will join us later in the program. And uh, NFL Free Agency has begun to get all over and give you my thoughts on the good and the bad. And the Chicago Bears, as far as NFL Free Agency 2021 is concerned, here on this program on a Wednesday, March 17th. Uh, Before we get to Colin Russo, and he was great, and uh, we'll get to him uh he was great when he was on back in December I'm pretty sure he'll be out the ballpark here on discussing the NCAA tournament live from uh, uh Madison Wisconsin at the University of Wisconsin. We'll have him on in a bit, but first off, I want to uh begin the show. Save the NFL free agency for a little later, but I give you the start times yet in case you uh in case you haven't heard them and give you my uh, quick little two cents on the NCAA tournament as the first four begins on Thursday and we're 2 days out of the first round tipping off at uh, noon on CBS. Uh, in case you didn't get it, uh, here are the uh, first four times for uh, the uh, four playing games uh, tomorrow on Thursday. Uh, the first game of the NCAA tournament at 5:10. This game's on True TV uh the 216 teams 216 seeds but, uh between Texas Southern who's 16 and 8 and Mount St Mary's who's 12 and 10 that game's at 5:10 p.m. Eastern time on uh True TV remember with the uh, March Madness it's on the uh Turner uh family of networks along uh with uh, CBS so and if you you know so I suggest uh, for those of you all out there to download that March Madness live app and or make sure you know uh where true tv and uh where true tv is uh on your uh, cable uh provider and uh and if you're a baseball fan you know where tbs is and if you're an nba fan you know where tnt is so uh this that time of the year so be so make sure that cbs tbs tnt and true tv are your best friends uh, for the next uh, three weeks or so. And and if you haven't already, and you should, download that March Madness Live app on your phone or on your iPad or on your smart TV and connected devices. Uh, Texas Southern St. Mary's 510 on Thursday on, a t- on True TV followed by uh followed by uh Drake versus wichita state both eleven uh seeds uh drake twenty five and four wichita state sixteen and five that game will uh tip off on t b s uh at six twenty seven and around six thirty on thursday and then uh eight forty Appalachian State versus Norfolk State. Appalachian State seventeen and eleven. Norfolk State sixteen and seven. Uh, at eight forty on uh, True TV, and then end the night off with uh, you know with two schools that are you know that have some NCAA uh, March Madness prowess to it, and that is UCLA, the eleven seed, seventeen and nine, going up against Michigan State, is fifteen and twelve. Um, that game is going to tip off close to ten o'clock, nine fifty seven to be exact to be exact that's uh that those are your first four games those playing games that kind of gets the nc that kind of gets march madness started on Thursday and then the first round games on Friday March the 19th uh typically in past years you have the first four uh, typically in years past you would have had the first four tonight and you would have had the first you would have had the first and set. You would have had the first round tip off on uh, Thursday, or tip off tomorrow and Friday, with the second round being Saturday and Sunday. It's not like that this year. Hopefully, it isn't like that uh, to begin with, because I enjoy having that get, having that uh, tip off on uh, that Thursday at 12 o'clock. Matter of fact, the last time they had the tournament, as a matter of fact, I forget I forget what game it was. I forget what game it was, but I remember uh, last time we had the tournament my junior year in high school. Uh, that uh, that Thursday, that uh, Thursday in mid March, I remember uh, we had back at Archbishop Curley in the in the uh, dining hall that we have. They have they have all the, they have TV they have flat screen TVs all over the. Um, all over the uh, all over the cafeteria, and I always wondered, you know, what the hell those TVs were there for. And lo and behold, and lo and behold, on uh, the first Thursday of the NCAA tournament. And, uh, and I, and as a matter of fact, our vice principal, who's still there at the time, shout out to, uh, Mr. Bowden. He, he goes, he goes to every, he's went up until that point, And he did that year went to every single final four. He makes it a tradition goes goes to the NCAA Fund for wherever it is and he goes out he makes a huge trip out of it. His son, his son, by the way, you should follow him on Instagram. I'll get it to you in a in a uh in a minute. You should follow him on Instagram. He is uh he I guess uh he I guess in name is our school main photographer does a phenomenal job and he also uh he also you know has these uh photography gigs all over all across- Eric Bowden, that's his name you can follow him on Instagram uh, E R I I C Bowden, B O W D E N. On uh, Instagram, he has over a six. Uh, he has uh, over six point eight thousand followers. Big time photographer, big time content creator. You should go check him out. And he's he's uh, rubbed some elbows with uh, some pretty uh, decent folk, uh, if I say so myself. But he is a big time, and and he's and the vice principal. His uh, father is in it with you know goes to the final four and is a big part of the school's uh, basketball program. Well, he took a trip. Uh, he you know he and he fills out and he goes ahead and he came in that lunch period because he's the typical lunch proctor. You know he and uh, lots of other people rotate, but it was his day to be the uh, lo- to be the dining room proctor during lunch. And lo and behold, everyone's warming up their stuff. He cracks on the TV. I forget what game it. I forget what game it was. I think it was uh, it was Cincinnati versus somebody. But uh, but he turns but he turns on the TV. And lo and behold, you know. And I look at I look at the clock. It's after twelve o'clock. And I was like, well, the first game's gonna be starting soon. And lo and behold, he's like, well, let me just save the kids from getting in trouble you know, peeking at their phones or streaming on their phones and just turn on the TV. So it was, it was a big, big deal. Not, well, it's typically a big, big deal, but I was like, wow, look at this. You know, we got the NCAA tournament on, you know, during, uh, during lunch. And then I go, so then, you know, go back to the class, So go back to class. And then I got, I got algebra, I got, I think I had, what, I forget what algebra class it was. When we go into algebra and our teacher, uh, and our teacher, uh, Mr. Uh, Brendan Ryan, shout out to him if he's listening to this He goes. He's like, hey, we get our work done. We turn, we you know, we go ahead and we essentially chill the rest of the class and watch the NCAA tournament. And and I never forget, you know, and you know we finish up our work. Lo and behold, look at your clock, it's 1:25, and we're watching, uh, and we're watching the first round game in 2019 uh Cincinnati going up against I forget who it was it slips my mind but I remember Cincinnati was in cuz I have I got I got pictures but I can't, I can't I think I forget what team it was but it was Cincinnati I could look it up but you get the idea uh first round game at 12 noon on uh at 12 noon on uh, CBS with uh, C- with uh, Cincinnati in the mix. And then also earlier that morning, and then I remember earlier that morning in my, one of my writing class, one of our, t- uh, my teacher who actually coached, who coached the uh, freshman, sophomore basketball team at our school, who's a big, who's a decent basketball fan. He printed out a bunch of the brackets out, and you'll see I did the same thing with Colin when I had him on. Uh, when I had him on, you'll check that out. Uh, in about a few minutes, uh, after this uh, opening segment, but he handed out he handed out a bunch of brackets, and we all fill out our brackets. You know, in the old-fashioned way via pen and paper. And I still have the picture on uh, my iPad of me filling out a bracket, my national championship game that year. Was uh, Duke? I had Duke, North Carolina, Duke winning at all, and then my Final Four was Duke, Gonzaga, Virginia, North Carolina. I got Virginia right, out of the E, out of the East. Who won out of the East? I think who I know wasn't Duke. Um, it might have been off the top, and I'm just going off the top of my head. I think Michigan State made the Final Four off the top. I should look that up just to be sure just to be uh just to be sure but um I had Du I had a uh, Duke Gonzaga Virginia North Carolina in the final 4 North Carolina did not make it I had the Virginia pick right I knew Virginia was going to go far cuz I knew you know and I hadn't watched the uh, and I hadn't watched, you know, that much college basketball that season, but I had, but I knew that Virginia was going to be chomping at the bit to, uh, chomping at the bit to make a big time NCAA tournament run because because they wanted to get that bad taste out of their mouth um, when they uh, got knocked out by UMBC in the first round in two thousand and eighteen. The final four it was Virginia, Auburn. It was Virginia and Auburn, the two blue, the two orange and blue squads going at it. It's hard to, the whole. Uh, building, uh, U.S. Bank, was painted in blue and orange. You had uh, and Virginia was the number one seed out of the South. Auburn was number five seed out of the Midwestern bracket. And there was a deal with uh, Kyle Guy hitting the three free throws, which put Virginia, which won Virginia the game 63-62 on a dubious foul call. He was going up for three on the uh, on the left wing, and he. Got and he was touched on his way down to the ground. It was and it was a huge, uh, and that was a huge uh, debacle there back in 2019 on April 6th. And he had Michigan State and Texas Tech, that's who it was. So out of the West, Texas Tech ended up going. I had Gonzaga, and then out of the Midwest, I had North Carolina going. And instead and instead Auburn went. But I had and then in the east I had uh and in the east I had Duke. Michigan State ended up going. But I hit a home run with my Virginia pick who ended up winning the whole thing. That was it I had I had Duke winning in my written down bracket and then on my bracket I had on the uh, CBS Sports app, I had Virginia going all the way. So the way I do it is, the more brackets you fill out, the better you feel about yourself, because eventually one of your pick is one of your pick is going one uh, one if not all of your picks are going to hit. I had uh, I had Duke I had Duke in the written bracket. I had North Carolina in another bracket. And North Carolina in another bracket which bombed, and then I had and I had Virginia in the one that got the one that I I had Virginia actually in two. I had Virginia in the one bracket I made on a March Madness live app. I had Virginia in, in another bracket on the CBS Sports app. I had North Carolina wrong on my second uh, CBS Sports app bracket, and then I had um and I had Duke on the written one on paper and on the ESPN tournament challenge. But that's not a hint nor there. I say that because it's good to have it because it's been a long two years since we did have the tournament. We didn't have it last year, of course, because of the pandemic. I am looking, I'm looking forward to it. I am psyched for 12:15, for 12:15 uh, Virginia Tech versus Florida on Friday. I will be all over it all day. Get my schoolwork out the way so all I can do all day Friday. Uh, is uh, watch basketball from 12:15 in the afternoon till 12:15 uh, somewhere along, somewhere around there at night. I'll be into it all weekend, Saturday, Sunday, and and even into the weekday with Monday. I'll be into it all four of those days. I'm looking forward to the NCAA tournament. But speaking of Virginia Tech, Florida, just to give you the times, because. On Saturday's show, uh, the times not released yet. In case you, in case you didn't get them, uh, Virginia Tech, Florida, twelve fifteen on CBS to get us started. Virginia Tech, the ten seed, Florida, the seventh, twelve forty five on True TV. Colgate versus Arkansas, Colgate the fourteen and Arkansas the uh, third seed, one fifteen on TBS. Drexel versus the Big Ten tournament champion, Illinois, number 1. 16 versus the one, and one forty five on TNT. Utah State versus Is Texas Tech the six, and then at three o'clock, Oral Roberts going up against Ohio State. Three thirty, Hartford versus Baylor on True TV. Four o'clock on TBS, uh, Georgia Tech going up against Loyola Chicago. Four thirty on TNT, Oregon State going up against Tennessee. Six twenty-five. Liberty versus Oklahoma State. That game's on TBS. Then at seven ten on a uh, CBS. Uh, th- this uh, good to see that the uh, that the big name schools are getting the uh, are getting the network television attention. Virginia Tech, Florida is on CBS. Uh, oh, they put a, they get Ohio State on CBS, and then they get Wisconsin, North Carolina. Our buddy Kyle will be into the game seven ten CBS. The nine versus the eight with Wisconsin going up against North Carolina, and then the last game on CBS, San Diego State's. You know, San Diego State is known, and of course, you get Bayheim and Syracuse at nine forty. That game's on CBS. Nine twenty on TBS, Rutgers and Clemson. Seven twenty-five on TNT. It's North Texas versus Purdue. Seven fifteen, they stick it on True TV, and you can see why because of the because these are not big time schools that are going to draw eyeballs to the sets as Mad Dog likes to say. Cleveland State going up against Houston, and then at 9:50, Morehead State, West Virginia on True TV, and then around 10 o'clock, 9:57 uh, in the East on TNT, Winthrop versus Villanova. So and so now Morehead State, West Virginia, both of those schools, I believe is. East of the uh is east of the Mississippi River, so you know you could quibble about that time. Rutgers and Clemson, both of those schools are on the East Coast, uh, nine twenty TBS. I can you know I can understand you know a little rough. Uh, uh, let's see any other time that's uh, that's overly crazy. Um, Oregon State Tennessee one thirty out west in Oregon, not terrible considering that. Considering West Coast time, the first game starts at nine at nine fifteen in the morning. Um, but that's pretty, you know, they're decent times for Friday, Saturday. CBS kicks off the coverage at twelve fifteen. Georgetown in Colorado at that game's at twelve fifteen on CBS on Saturday. Uh 1225 12, 1245 12, excuse me on True TV. UNC Greensboro going up against Florida State. Uh 115 Eastern Washington going up against Kansas 14 versus the three, 115 on T on TBS. 145 St. Bonaventure going up against LSU 145 on TNT. Then at 3 o'clock, it's a number one Michigan going up against the winner of uh Texas of Texas Southern and uh Mount uh, St. Mary's. That game is going to be decided on uh tomorrow night. That game's at 3 o'clock on uh, Saturday, 3.30 on that game's, uh, that Michigan game's at 3 o'clock on CBS. So CBS keeping the trend going with the uh, with the well-known and or the big-name schools on their, uh, you know, on the quote-unquote primetime network, 3.30, True TV, USCB. Uh, University of California's uh Santa Barbara going up against number five Craigton. That game's at three thirty on True TV. Four o'clock, Iona Alabama on TBS. Four thirty. USC on TNT going up against the winner of Wichita State and Drake 625 on Saturday. Grand Canyon going up against Iowa at 625. Then at 710, Big Ten School. Maryland go up against one of the best basketball institutions in this country in Yukon 10 versus the 7. Maryland versus Yukon 710 on C on CBS on Saturday night. Then at 715 on True TV, Ohio versus Virginia, 13 versus the 4, 725, Missouri versus Oklahoma on TNT. The Ohio-Virginia game is gonna be on True TV, the Missouri-Oklahoma game is gonna be on TNT. 920 TBS away, uh, Gonzaga, the number one seed throughout this entire tournament, undefeated 26 and 0. Awaits the winner of Norfolk State and Appalachian State. That game's going to be on TBS. And 940 Nightcap on CBS. BYU awaits the winner of uh, Michigan State and UCLA on uh, tomorrow. Uh, BYU is the number six seed. The winner of uh, Michigan State and UCLA is the eleven nine fifty. Abilene Christian going up against Texas at nine fifty on T on True TV, and then nine fifty seven on Saturday night. Ten seed VCU going up against seven seeded Oregon nine fifty seven close to ten o'clock on TNT. And the Sat Saturday and and the Saturday uh, and then, excuse me the Sunday and the Monday games. Those times are yet to be, times and networks are yet to be announced. But there, there you are. You know where you stand as far as the times and networks for the first four and the uh, first and the uh, first round on uh, Friday and Saturday. You heard my story of uh, the last March Madness in 2019 watching... Uh, watching the, that first game on CBS at noon during lunchtime in the cafeteria, and watching the, and watching a little bit of it uh, during math class. You heard that little uh, tidbit story. I'm into March Madness. Uh, hopefully, you're into the uh, tournament. Let's see if Colin Russo's into the tournament. He joins us next. Back after this. This is the Amatelica TIS podcast. Welcome back to the Amateur Like a TIS podcast. Joining me now, friend of the uh, podcast program, had him on back in December when uh, his Jaguars lost the number one pick, uh, courtesy courtesy of uh, what's his face, Greg Williams with that uh, Cover Zero play in their game against the Raiders back in early December. He is also the son of sports. Uh, talk radio icon Christopher Mad Dog Russo making his second appearance in about three months on the Amitelica TIS podcast, the one and only Colin Russo. Colin, how about you today, pal? How you doing? John, I'm all good. Thank you for having me on. Anytime, man, anytime. So before we get into March Madness and you up at the University of Wisconsin, give give us a feel on uh, how's, how's college life going. Have you gotten vaccinated yet? What's life like up in uh, Madison, Wisconsin as of March in 2021?
1: Uh, you know, right now uh, it's cold. It, it has been cold the last two months, but it's starting to warm up. So uh, I, think, I, I think everybody's a little excited about that in terms of the area here. As for vaccinations, there are mildly handing out the vaccinations to maybe some in-person teachers kids who were eligible so nothing in regard to that uh the testing is is frequent i mean it's twice a week sometimes three times a week uh it's 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 a lot but i mean it's bearable and everybody's having a good time things have started to open up a little bit more in right. the county area they've loosened some of the restrictions not as much as some of these states down south but they actually mm-hmm. have uh loosened up Nick got some restaurants capacity increases that whole thing. So it's good. Uh, it's not like normal. It's not normal here yet. I mean, some places right. you could say it's normal. It's not normal for here yet, uh, but it's comfortable. I'm used to it. It's no big deal. The weather's starting to get better. You got the tournament coming up. So there's not much to complain about.
0: I hear you, man. I hear you. Uh, how long How long have you been back uh, up at Wisconsin? I remember the last time we talked to you, I, I believe you were home. How long have you been uh, up in Madison for?
1: Uh, I've been back for January 21st, so about eight eight weeks so far. So uh, it's flown by. I got about seven weeks left, so I'm about halfway through, a little over. Uh, a lot, it's going by fast, so I'm trying to enjoy it as much as I can.
0: I hear you. I hear you. You like it up there?
1: I love it. Love it. Love it.
0: Good, good to Nothing hear. Nothing to complain huh? about. Yeah, I'm right now in the uh... – Trying to transfer to University of Maryland, so if that mm-hmm. goes, uh, so if that comes to pass, me and you will uh, be Big Ten rivals. So ah, I'm looking accept, forward to it. <sighs> yeah, and ex- expect many of bets and many of uh, challenges if I end up getting into the University of uh, Maryland College Park, but. That's neither here nor there. We're here to talk college basketball. First off, what's have you always been a college basketball junkie, or is this something that you've you know, started loving, of course, because you go to a big-time college basketball uh, school?
1: Uh, growing up, I was always a big college basketball guy. I prefer the NCAA tournament over something like the NBA playoffs. I think college basketball has a little bit more of an intensity to it. Uh, I like the, the lower scoring, the, you know, I think each basket means more when it's 130 to 139 in a Mavericks Blazers game. I, I don't think it means as much. Mm-hmm. I like the 68, 70 games, you know, the low scoring, you know, a lot of grit intensity, you got to earn your buckets. I've always loved that. And I've loved college basketball because of that, the regular season sometimes has its issues, but I mean, it's usually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I didn't have a team really. Like, I usually follow a team that I like, that I think is good. That's usually the team I'll ride with for the tournament. Uh, But I haven't really had a team in the mix because I wanted to wait until I decided my college to choose my college team for football and basketball. So that turns out to be Wisconsin. Uh, But always, I've always been a huge college basketball guy. I love it.
0: Uh, give the audience a situ- give the audience a feel of you know how the how the schools handled their home games. Of course, probably no fans. How has nope. the school essentially handled the environment of essentially having a college basketball season where there are no fans in the building?
1: Yeah, I mean it's the Big Ten. Uh, it's a nor- it's a northern state. Uh, they're not obviously. There's you see West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Baylor. All these schools have fans. They probably have a, I don't know a couple thousand. Uh, so those those schools do have fans. As for us, we do not have fans. We haven't had fans all season. So it's kind of weird because my dorm is literally 150 yards from the Col Center where the basketball team plays. So it's kind of weird how there's a games going on right there. But there are no games all year, which sucks because I wanted to go to a lot. But, you know, I I've watched about every single game, most of them. Uh, But I mean, I wish there were in-person stuff. I mean, I could have considered going to like a Big Ten tournament game, but I didn't think it was that worth it to go down to Indianapolis for a student ticket. I don't know.
0: I hear you hey what's uh you know because I haven't I like your father doesn't uh, get into college basketball until right around tournament time yeah uh give (laughs) give the audience a feel of uh, how the 2020-2021 Wisconsin basketball season on the men's side has uh gone so far
1: well we started off I had high expectations going into the year this is a team that won the regular season Big Ten title because, well, there's no Big Ten tournament. Obviously, it was shut down early last year, so I guess you couldn't really tell who was exactly the champion. Mm-hmm. But because Wisconsin had the best regular season record, uh, they were able to secure that. And so because of that, they returned, I think, six out of seven impact players and added a good freshman. So I had high expectations going into the year. I really thought they were going to be really, really good. And they started off the year that way. I mean, they they, they started off the year, I believe, top ten they got into four at one point in the uh, AP poll. Uh, I mean, as for that, they, they really were good in uh, December and January. They really hit a wall. I mean, this is a team I, I'm, I've seen some of the, I'm sure some people have seen some of this, the stats about it. Like there's the starting lineups like a 24 year old, 24 year old, 23 year old, 22 year old, 22 year old. It's a very, very experienced team, very old team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they've all been around. They've played a lot together. So, I mean, going in, I just assume that, like, maybe that experience will make a difference, you know, in a, in a year without fans, in a year where you kind of have to build your own energy. I was thinking, yeah, absolutely, a bunch of seniors can figure this out and get, get some energy going internally, and they could really play well on the road, that type of thing. But, I mean, they re- after a good start, they played great on Christmas. They played Michigan State on Christmas. It was a great game. They, do- they really, really played well. They dominated Louisville early in the year. Uh, they really had some good wins. And then once they started to get into the meat of the Big Ten schedule, they really, really kind of fell off a cliff in a sense. Uh, they've, mm-hmm. they've lost, I think, five of the last six games or four of the last five games. Granted, they, they, they the thing about them is they play well enough against good teams that they just can't close games. Like, they lost by five to Iowa. They got, they got back in the game versus Illinois, lost close. They were leading right. Michigan the majority of the game the second time they played, and then Michigan came back and won. That was also a game after Michigan had their COVID outbreak. Uh, and mm-hmm. then the first time they played Michigan, Michigan absolutely throttled them. But And then they played Ohio State. They played Ohio State pretty tough. I mean, these are, it, it just seems like they're in the Big Ten hierarchy. Obviously, you got the Illinois, you got the Michigan, you got the Ohio State, you got that sort of ranking and maybe Purdue mm-hmm. a little bit. And then you kind of got middle of the pack, which is, I think, where Wisconsin is. They're better than the worst teams, but they're not as nearly as good as the top teams. I mm-hmm. think that's where Wisconsin sits. And they're on a cold streak right now. I do not like to see that. I think they shoot too many threes and their uh, front court defense is not good at all. Uh, they had Nate Reavers, who was a wooden award finalist for preseason or, and I mean, Michael Potter is a transfer from Ohio state is really playing, who was playing well last year. He's a good offensive player, but I mean, defensively, they're not very, very strong players. And, uh, The experienced point guard, Demetrik Trice, I think he's one of the better players on the team. I think he's one of the better point guards in the Big Ten. He is uh, a really good player. Uh, He has his up and downs. He's not necessarily – he shoots a lot. I mean, these guys, all of them shoot threes a lot. I don't know why. I'm sure people who watch this UNC game are going to see a lot of threes taken by Wisconsin that they don't need to take. And that's just sort of how they roll. And, uh, and as for a coaching standpoint, I mean guard, I'm up and down on guard. I don't really know. I don't think this team develops a lot of energy on their own. So maybe a, a change of pace with the fans will help. Uh, they're in a bubble. So maybe that maybe maybe develop some sort of dynamic within the bubble. But we'll see about Wisconsin. I think they're up and down. Uh, they're not in a great spot. I thought they got a terrible draw with UNC, uh, but we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah. Your father made a point yesterday that I didn't think about, but I but it was a good point. You know, you'd think because being young adults, college kids, they have to be bubbled in their hotels for COVID protocols. And he made the point yesterday of how, you know, they how not just Wisconsin, but the but these teams in general that they're going to come out. With hella intensity, they're going to come out guns blazing, raring to go and essentially put it into overdrive in these uh, first in these uh, first round games on Friday and Saturday. What are your thoughts about that?
1: Uh, I think that's an interesting dynamic to follow. I think a big theme of this tournament is going to be how teams react to this whole COVID situation. You could talk about like, oh, this team's been in the tournament before, but they haven't played in this type of environment before they haven't played staying in the hotel, staying on this campus for the entire week. They usually go back midweek. Uh, it's going to be a completely different dynamic. And I think that's going to be a theme to follow. And I think some teams are going to take it better than others. And mm-hmm. I think you're going to realize that first weekend, what, what teams are going to be ready to play or not. And also I think this gives a lot of juice to the lower seeded teams. I think the lower seeded teams are going to know that this is a bubble environment. They have absolutely nothing to lose. Like every year, they have nothing to lose. And I think it's, in a lot of cases, some of these teams are vulnerable. Some of these teams have had COVID issues, COVID outbreaks, Virginia, Kansas, it seems like that. Uh, but I think, I think it's going to be an interesting theme to follow. Uh, as for everybody being ready to play and guns blazing, I think so for that, at least that first game. But what about that second weekend, you know, when they're there for two weeks? Are these, guys, these guys are college kids. These aren't professionals like the NBA guys on the Orlando campus. I mean, sure, they're staying in Indianapolis. They're not staying in Orlando, Florida. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of react to staying within that bubble. If they're going to get used to it, if they're not, and I think that's going to be a very interesting part of this tournament. I, I really think you're going to uh, learn pretty quickly who who's like capable of doing this or not. I mean, these guys are some of these guys are 18 year old kids, you know, staying in this bubble like this. I don't know. Maybe they don't really respond properly. Maybe they do. So uh, as for I think everybody's going to be ready to play though. They're probably cooped up in there, uh, you know, just doing the practice on the on the on these random floors, you know, at random times they have to get scheduled Mm. meals. I'm sure they're going to be itching to get to play. Uh, So we'll, we'll see what happens. And I know the expanded testing. So they're going to be, they're getting used to more so than what they had at college. So, I I mean, at their college campuses. So it's going to be really interesting dynamic to follow. Uh, I do think some teams will be very, very ready to play. And I do think some teams will come out flat because of this. Uh, I I think it's very possible that some of these teams just don't take the bubble lightly. And, and it just kind of it throws them off a little bit. And that's all it's all it takes. One bad half, one bad eight-minute stretch, and you lose these games. So I think that's gonna be an interesting uh theme to follow.
0: Right. How do you like your chances going up against uh 18 and 10, 8th seeded North Carolina on well, the what does that say? The 19th? Yeah, the 19th on Friday. Yes,
1: yeah, Friday at seven o'clock. So it's a it's a good game. They give them a good time. You know, it's 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 gonna be a popular game to watch because you know it's a two. Very experienced programs, uh, big name programs with a lot of, uh, I mean, in the front court for uh, UNC, there's a lot of experience. Wisconsin, up top to bottom, has a lot of experience. Uh, As for the matchup itself, I hate it because uh, Roy Williams is 29 0 in the first round. He's 15 0 at UNC. So that doesn't make me feel too good. Uh, Mm -hmm. Wisconsin's coming off a ton of losses. North Carolina is as hot as they've been, is as hot as they've ever been all year. Uh, they had a great win against vatech They were playing well the entire tournament. They, they really came out – really on a hot streak right now. Um, as for that, I mean, it's it's a tough game. Obviously, all it takes is a good game. So I'm not going to, like, count anybody out. Uh, this is not a North Carolina team that Roy Williams usually has. Uh, I think this team uh, has, has a lot of problems shooting the ball. But their front court is great. They're third in the country in total rebounding or something like that. Yeah and first in the country in, uh, offensive rebounding. So this team's going to get to the boards. They shoot a lot. Uh, they, they put up a lot of shots. So, and I think one of the weaknesses of Wisconsin is rebounding. And I think that's what killed us against the teams, the higher seeded teams in the big 10, the teams with the big, good bigs, Hunter Dickinson on you know, Michigan. He killed us. Uh, Kofi, uh, Kofi killed us on Illinois. Cole and Brown, that, Yeah. Kobe yeah, killed us on Illinois. And, um, Guards have dominated us twice with Iowa. So, I mean, the, these, are, these guys are skilled, strong, physical pigs, and they, they're just getting rebounds over us like crazy. So I think that's going to be a big, obviously, game point for Wisconsin, coaching standpoint. Uh, but it's really – I think the game really comes down to how the, the bigs defend and rebound. Uh, North Carolina is one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the country. Uh, they have a lot of young guards. I think we have the, the upper hand in guard play. So that's going to be interesting to follow. I think it's going to be a really good game. Uh, I hope Wisconsin comes ready to play. I could see them just not hitting shots because that's just – I don't know. That's just a theme I've seen with with Wisconsin every year, uh, and especially this year because they usually have one guy who's playing well and the other four are not. So it's kind of they, – they don't really match it up at the right time. If they do, they're going to be dangerous. If not, then I would probably think UNC. But I think the inexperienced guard play at UNC makes them vulnerable. So it's all about rebounding. It's a tough game. I hated the draw. I don't. I didn't think Wisconsin deserved nine. I think they. A lot of their close losses were to great teams. So I think that the, the committee did a bad job there. But I mean, I don't think a team like Florida should have gotten the, the seven seed. But I mean, right. there's no point in complaining at this point. So mm-hmm. uh, and it's and it stinks because you don't you hate having that one seed second game. And obviously, as a nine seed, you can't really worry about that second game. Uh, but I mean, just generally, I just think the draw and the location of Wisconsin is not very good, but as for the game itself, I think it's going to be a good game that, that front court battle is going to make the game. Wisconsin is going to want to slow it down. North Carolina is going to want to speed it up. So mm-hmm. it's really just who gets the tempo first. I think Wisconsin doesn't beat themselves. They don't turn it over. North Carolina does turn it over. So that's going to be a theme to follow too. Uh, but it should be a good game.
0: What do you think about the first four teams that missed out on the tournament? Louisville, Louisville, when Mm -hmm. you get destroyed by Duke, who didn't make the tournament, you can't expect you can't expect to make it if you're Louisville. What are your thoughts on the first four teams that ended up uh, missing the mark?
1: I mean, it's it's such a tough decision uh, for the committee because there's there's a lot just of factors to consider. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, some teams have had COVID issues. Some teams haven't. Some teams are on cold spot. Some teams have missed home games. Some teams haven't. You know, I think it's a hard dynamic to follow. Uh, I can't just go at the committee and saying, like, oh, they got it right. They got it wrong. Uh, I mean, because I think that's just um, just a tough a tough line to, uh, to walk on. Uh, I think they got it right. I didn't think Louisville uh, – I think Louisville had too many bad losses. I think that's a tough that's a tough team to call. But uh, as for the first, I mean first out, I mean I, I can't really complain about it that much. I think they got it right. I'm glad they put Michigan State in. I'm glad they put uh, Syracuse in. Obviously they're going to get in, but I'm glad they put some of these teams in at, at large bids. I think uh, Maryland should have gotten into uh, despite Michigan State and Maryland having bad conference records. I do think the Big Ten bias should carry over. But hmm. it it should be it should be interesting to see. I think they I think they got some of most of them in terms of who's in and who's out. I think they got most of that right.
0: Do you were you shocked that Michigan State had to play this first four playing game tomorrow? Do you think that they should have, you know, had the right to play straight up first round on a Friday and Saturday?
1: I, that's a tough one because Michigan State. It's a very, very, very strange team because they are either showing up and playing great or they're showing up and not playing great at all. Uh, I mean, they lost to Maryland in that Big Ten tournament game. I think that really solidified. I think the winner of that game was not going to get the play-in game. And I think the loser of that game was – I think they were both considering because once Michigan St- State got those three wins over Ohio State, uh, Illinois, and um, I think Michigan. Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, they got those three top five wins. I think that means everything. Uh, I think those, those, big wins really just gave them a good resume despite their bad conference record. I think that game between them and Maryland decided who was going to be in that play in game. And that turns out to be the case. So I don't hate that. I think, I, I think for a team with that type of conference record, you got to kind of make them earn it. You gave them the spot. Now it's up to you guys to do it. I think they were a very dangerous, um, very dangerous 11th. Uh, yeah. First four game. I think they're going to beat UCLA the dangerous team to follow uh, is and March. Uh, he's been there. He knows how to do it. So mm-hmm. that should be, that's a, That's an interesting one to follow.
0: Now, do you have a bracket in front of you?
1: I, I don't have a completed one, but I haven't, I don't, I'm not going to do my bracket till tonight, but yeah, I do to have bracket in front of me.
0: Gotcha. So you want to, you want to fill one out, you want to fill out a spare one just for the show or we, we let's do it, do it. Why not?
1: Of course. I like the All right. idea. All
0: right. So you want to do west east? You pick the region, and we'll and we'll start.
1: Let's do the easy one first. Let's do west.
0: All right, west number one seeded Gonzaga going up against sixteenth seed Norfolk Appalachian State. I got I already filled mine out on uh, Sunday. I have I have Gonzaga beating uh, Norfolk slash Appalachian State and moving all the way to the Elite Eight. Okay. In the other game. Oklahoma going up against Missouri. Oklahoma the eighth seed, Missouri the ninth seed. I got Oklahoma going up against Gonzaga. To lose to Gonzaga, Gonzaga undefeated. Uh, I think they're going to move on. Like I said, to the Elite Eight, Sweet Sixteen. Let's go in, into the other mini little bracket here. You got Craigton who could th- who was absolutely pathetic against uh, Georgetown on Saturday. Twenty-eight uh, ter- the field pathetic going up against UCSB uh, I believe uh, UCSB is going to pull off the 12-5 upset. Give me UCSB moving on to the second round to go up against the "quote-unquote" defending champion Virginia Cavaliers, who's the four seed, going up against uh, the 16 and 7, 13 seed Ohio. Give me uh, UCSB and Virginia in the second round, and then give me Gonzaga going up against the defending champion Virginia in the Sweet 16. Give me Gonzaga to move on to the Elite Eight. And, uh, and then in the bottom uh, corner of the bracket, you got a uh, 6-seed USC, 22-7 going up against Wichita State, or Drake, the winner of that uh, first four game of uh, tomorrow. Give me USC to uh, win that game, regardless who their opponent is. Move on to the second round. Uh, Kansas going up against Eastern Washington. Give me Kansas, who's 20-8, 3-seed in the western uh, portion of the bracket. USC versus Kansas. Give me Kansas. Move on to the Sweet 16. Meanwhile, you got Oregon and VCU, give me Oregon, who's the seventh seed, going up against VCU, who's the tenth. Uh, who or, uh, VCU, I believe, lost their uh, their uh, conference game to Saint Bonaventure, if I have that read correctly, on uh, Sunday. Give me uh, give me uh, Oregon going up against Iowa. Iowa going up against Grand Canyon. Iowa, the number two seed in the West. Give me Kansas versus Iowa in the Sweet Sixteen. Elite Eight. Gonzaga versus Iowa. Give me Gonzaga. Who will, I believe, remain undefeated all the way, and Gonzaga will win the Western uh, bracket and uh, go on to the final four.
1: Okay, interesting. All right. Uh, so, you had an interesting one I thought you had UVA winning that, and then you had UCSB uh, winning their game against Creighton. Yes. I think, yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree with you on this side of the bracket, at least. I think Gonzaga is a complete cakewalk. I think their eight nine game uh, is not very. I mean, it's not a very dangerous set of eight nines because these are both teams that are not hot right now. They've lost a lot of games uh, as of late. Uh, I think that I think Gonzaga was really given a, a a bone for this one because I mean they've also played UVA. They beat him by I think twenty, and then they played Kansas. They beat him by seventeen, and they be, played Iowa. They beat him by eleven. So the, that mm-hmm. the two, the three, and the four in their bracket. They've already played and beaten by 10-plus. Also, Kansas and UVA are dealing with COVID issues. That's going to be an interesting theme to follow with how they start this first game. I know UVA cannot start practicing until, I believe, tomorrow. They've been doing, like, all the Zoom stuff all week. I like Ohio in that game. Uh, I think Ohio's very, very uh, a dangerous team. And a name to follow is Jason Preston, their best player. He's one of the more underrated players in college basketball. He's very, very dangerous. He's a great scorer. Uh, And he's kind of like – the engine, I don't know the the, the 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 focal point of that team. I think that's mm-hmm. a dangerous game. Uh, I don't know if UVA will be ready. Reigning champs tend to have a struggling time uh, in the tournament, so I don't I don't necessarily think it's that far fetched of them losing the first round because they lost the first round two, uh, three years ago, and then two years to, ago, UMBC, yeah.
0: Yeah, to UMBC. Yeah, so yeah. I
1: think that that's an interesting team to follow. I'm going to take Ohio in that game, and as for that Creighton game, I do think Creighton. After that terrible performance might bounce back a little bit. They're a three-point shooting team. Those teams are either hot or they're not. They're, you're going to know in the first 10 minutes whether they're going to be uh, competitive in this game or not. Uh, they're, uh, it's kind of like Auburn from 2019. Auburn shot a lot of threes, pushed the ball. Uh, that's sort of a team that's kind of – I don't I wouldn't say resembles them, but in terms of play style, they're kind of similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think – uh, I think UCSB is uh, a dangerous take in that game too. I don't want to take too many upsets in this one. I mean, I don't want to take like, all upsets, but I do think USC will win. I might have – I haven't filled mine out yet, but I might have UCSB and Ohio move on. I think there's going to be a, a lot of upsets with this bubble uh, environment. I think there's a lot of medium to good teams. I think there's a – I think it's a little top-heavy with the with the one seeds, but I do think it's a – the middle of the pack is very uh, compacted and tight. It's kind of anybody's game. Uh, especially with the lack of like a ton of fans. I think there's only like 8,000 in these, in these stadiums. So it's going to be really interesting to mm-hmm. see who feeds off that energy and who doesn't. Uh, and some of these big 12 teams are coming from bigger, bigger crowds. So it should be interesting to see. Uh, and as for Kansas, Kansas coming off of COVID issues as well, but I think they will be ready to go. And I, I don't think uh, Eastern Washington's going to really take them down in that game. Uh, Oregon. I agree with, I think the PAC 12 has some dangerous teams, no great teams, but it, uh, a lot of good teams. Uh, I do have Iowa. I would have Iowa moving on. I think Iowa, that three-point shooting barrage they do with that, with the best player on the floor in Garza, I think that's going to be dangerous. Mm-hmm. I think that Illinois losses will fuel them a little bit.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: yeah. And as for that Elite Eight game, if it's Gonzaga and Iowa for me, I might have Ohio move on to the Sweet 16 and play Gonzaga, but probably they'll be stopped there. But uh, that's an interesting one to follow. Uh, I would probably take Iowa and Gonzaga in that. And then I don't know who I'd take in that game, but I do like that bracket so far.
0: Gotcha. Moving on to the East, number one seeded Michigan, 20 and four. I got Michigan all the way to the Elite Eight, so you know where I stand there. LSU versus St. Bonaventure. Give me LSU to move on to the sixth round to go up against Michigan, get knocked off by Michigan. Michigan moves on to the Sweet 16. Uh, Colorado going up against Georgetown. I was very impressed with what I saw from Georgetown the last couple of days. Uh, their performance against uh, Craigton on Saturday night in the Big East Championship it was very impressive. I think that's going to be that Cinderella team that's going to make a deeper, that's going to make a a deeper run than people think, than people will realize. Uh, I like what uh, Patrick Ewan's doing over there in Georgetown. I got Georgetown beating Colorado, going up against FSU, who takes on uh, UNC Greensboro. I believe you, I believe FSU will defeat UNC Greensboro. Give me Georgetown and FSU in the second round. Georgetown moves on to the Sweet 16, going up against Michigan. Michigan beats Georgetown and moves on to the Elite Eight. And the bottom half, The bracket, give me BYU. Uh, you got BYU going up against Michigan State and UCLA. I believe the winner of that Michigan State UCLA game will beat BYU and go up against Texas, who I believe will knock off Abilene Christian. So, you have, I think Michigan State's going to beat UCLA tomorrow night. So, I have written down Michigan State going up against Texas. Texas beating Michigan State, moving on to the Sweet 16 to take on Alabama, who I believe will beat Iona and uh, Rick Pitino, who got them back there, who got them uh, to the tournament. Good job by him. Uh, Alabama, I believe, will uh, knock off Iona. Alabama won their uh, SEC tournament championship, beating uh, LSU 80 to 79 on Sunday. Uh, I believe Alabama will go up against Maryland in the second round. UConn going up against the 10th seed in Maryland. Um, Picking Maryland, a little bit of a a homer pick there. Alabama going up against Maryland. Give me Alabama to knock off Maryland. Move on to the Sweet 16. So you have Texas and Alabama, Michigan and Georgetown in Sweet 16. Give me a lead eight, the uh, the, uh, bracket final between Michigan and Alabama. Michigan is my second pick to go to the final four.
1: Okay, interesting. Uh, Out of this, this one's an interesting one because I do think Michigan is the most vulnerable one seed at the moment. You don't know what's going on with Livers and his foot. Uh, they, they, they haven't said anything. They said he's going to rehab. Uh, might be a lot of smoke screens. They're not going to really tell you until he's ready to go. So that's right. a very, very interesting team to follow because Livers is kind of one of their main primary scorers. Uh, I do think they'll win that first game, obviously. That St. Bonnie's LSU game is going to be a really interesting game because St. Bonnie's is like top – five or six in opposing field goal percentage and like 38%. Uh, And LSU is a team that rides on scoring. They give up a lot of points, but they just ride on their scoring. They're averaging into the eighties. They got a lot of scores on that team. Cam Thomas is really good. Javante smart. They got a lot of guys. Uh, That's a dangerous game. I think that's one of the more dangerous eight seeds. Uh, I'm going to have LSU win that game. I think that will be a a very interesting game because you don't really know who's going to get that momentum. Uh, but that's going to be an interesting game. I might have I, – I, obviously, I haven't filled out my bracket yet, so I haven't made my finals decisions. I've just been reading up on the teams and everything like that. Uh, I might have LSU beat Michigan in that game. I think that scoring might, might be a lot for Michigan. I don't know if they'll be – I don't know if LSU will be able to stop uh, Hunter Dickinson, but it, they're a physical team as it is, and they got a lot of scoring. So And they're getting hot at the right time too, so that's an interesting game to follow. I think LSU is going to be a team to monitor. And then as for that Colorado-Georgetown game, I think Colorado is underrated. I think Georgetown, that little run they had, uh, was a little overrated, honestly, because they played a Gillespie-less Villanova beat one by one. Uh, Villanova's clearly hobbling. And then they played, a, would say, a ch- maybe an average Seton Hall team. And that Creighton team was just absolutely horrendous. I think anybody in this mm. tournament could have beaten Creighton the way they played on that in that big East championship against Georgetown, they shot 20% for the field. I thought that game was given to them based on uh, Creighton's performance, uh, but they did play well. They did they play well offensively. They're getting, they're getting together. I don't know. This is an interesting team because you don't really know if they're going to maybe do like a run for, for the late John Thompson. You don't really know if it's going to be some, something like that. They honor him through that. And it's going to be kind of that, that mojo they got. Cause a lot of this, a lot of these games are the mojo and that's an interesting Absolutely. team to follow. I might have Colorado take that game. I think Colorado's underrated, coming off that loss against Oregon State. I think the Pac-12 teams are experienced. They're kind of uh, they're they're gritty, good teams. They're not great. Uh, I don't know about that game yet. That's a tough game to choose. I think FSU is definitely going to win that game against Greensboro. FSU's won their first game in the last three tournaments. So I think that's a very um, important stat to have. I think Scotty Barnes is a very very good player. They're obviously uh, the classic LSU long athletic. Uh, to the basket, uh, a lot of a lot of strength. They can shoot the three, so that's an interesting team. I definitely they're, they're they're up and down, but I do think they'll win that first game. They're usually pretty solid in that first game. Uh, that MSU game, if MSU wins uh, on Thursday, I think that's a very interesting game. I could see MSU getting hot at the right time. They're a team that rides on that sort of momentum, but I mean they're they're so hit or miss. They're either terrible or they're really really dangerous. So, as for giving Izzo a little bit of slack in March. I might have them over BYU. BYU played a great, great game against Gonzaga, but lost in terrible fashion. Uh, so that's going to be an interesting uh, game to follow. Um, I think BYU is good and they're, they're experienced. And it's sort of a difficult one to look at because they had, what, six losses and they lost three times to Gonzaga. So mm-hmm. this is a team that is good and they were probably a little under based on their record and, their, and their, track, uh, their track record as a whole. But I, I don't know. I, that's a tough one. That's going to be a coin flip for me. I don't want all the 11s to win. I do think uh, a lot of the 11 games are going to be tough to choose. I, I had USC take that. I definitely think there's going to be at least one or two 11 upsets. I might have MSU in that game. I think Texas is really good. they got a good mixture of guards and bigs. Uh, very athletic team, in your face, great defense. I think that team's going to uh, throttle them. Uh, Connecticut's an interesting team. Uh, as for UConn, uh, they don't really have a lot of great inconsistent second and third options. And you don't know what's going on with, uh, with James. So that's going to be a tough one to follow. And, uh, RJ Cole is going to be a name to keep in mind. So I might take UConn in that game. I think that team has a little bit of a run written all over it. That's kind of what UConn does when they get these middle seats. They're just dangerous uh and they got one of the better players in the tournament so I, if he's healthy he's ready to go and he's playing well and they get some secondary scoring and play some defense i think that team's very very dangerous uh alabama is an interesting team to follow they played great in that great game against sec championship against lsu mm-hmm. uh they got again like lsu i think a lot of these SEC teams got just a lot of guys they got a lot of scores javon quinn great off the bench uh, i mean they got a they got a lot of guys going to the basket they could shoot uh, it's 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 different. Yeah, they got they got Herbert Jones, who's a great player, and Nate Oates. Obviously, is it an energy guy? He knows how to really get them going. Uh, but the, this is a team that also knows how to beat themselves. They're, they're, a lot of SEC themes are going to be like, uh, do do are they going to? Is this three live by the three, die by the three? Is this gonna is right. this gonna get in the way here? I think that's uh, always an interesting team to look out for. These three live by the three, die by the threes, Creightons, Alabama's, just teams that shoot threes. Uh, either they're really hot or they're really not. And if you're really not, then you're in trouble. Uh, Alabama's obviously going to win that. Uh, tw- two seeds, I think, are 23-1 and one in the last uh, six tournaments, with that only loss being Michigan State. So uh, that's, I definitely think I, as much as people want to ride that Patino train, I think, do think Alabama will win that. Uh, that Kine- that uh, UConn-Alabama game. I don't know. An interesting stat I saw about Alabama was there's been, I think, 32 teams that started the year in the history of the tournament, of the modern tournament, started Mm. the year unranked, finished in the AP top 10, and got a top two seed in the tournament. 32. And those teams are 0 for 32 in reaching the final four, and 56% of them lose in the first weekend. I'm not going to mm-hmm. go that off statistics, but Alabama makes that 33. So that's the 33rd team out of those uh, those previous 32 to really fit into that mold. Uh, I don't know. I think that's a tough game to choose. I think Alabama's got a lot of scoring, but UConn's just a dangerous team. I don't know who I'd have to win that game yet. Uh, that might be another coin flip. I, I don't want to just ride another UConn run because it's not going to happen every time they're in the tournament. But right. uh, I'll – come back to that but I, I, I that's a coin flip for me. I could go either way there. I think Texas will beat the winner if whoever wins that 6 and 11 game. I think Texas has a very good chance of going to the final 4. Um and then I had FSU and Colorado. I would probably have FSU in that game. Uh it depends how Colorado plays. Uh that that's that's going to be an interesting one to follow cuz FSU's got a lot of size and I'm not sure if the Pac-12 guys are ready for that. But that's an interesting one to follow. I'd probably have FSU in that game. And I might have LSU knock off Michigan. Michigan was my favorite to win it a few weeks ago because they were just so balanced. And they're well coached, play good defense. They got a lot of guys, shoot threes, hands in the passing lanes. You know, they do a lot of good things on defense. And they have bigs, they have guards, they have shooting, they have guys who go to the basket. And they play stout defense. They got a lot of guys. But with Livers out, I really, really think this team is vulnerable. They've lost a couple (laughs) games they, they, they they've looked shaky at points uh this is going to be a very very interesting team they put themselves in the position to get that one seed before livers went down but i don't know i mean i read about it i read, read into it yesterday and i don't really know if livers will be able to come back anytime soon maybe second weekend uh i'm not really sure i might have lsu knock them off there i think lsu is a dangerous eight seed and i think michigan got paired up with a dangerous eight seed so that's going to be an interesting game to follow i would probably have I might say LSU will take that. I don't know. I think these teams are vulnerable at this point. And um, as for that, I think my my pick for this one might be Texas to come out of this. I don't think it will be Bama. And I think Texas is dangerous. They're very battle-tested offensively. I mean, a lot of these teams are not going to have the offenses that they normally see in the Big 12. So they're going to be ready for that and they can score on anybody. So I think these big 12 teams, they, they thrive on the offense. And all these games were 87, 85 games throughout the big 12 regular season with Oklahoma state and Baylor and Texas tech and, uh, and Texas and everything like that. So I think that's going to be interesting to follow. Uh, I, I might have Texas. I get out of that. I, I, I can't say for sure. I don't know who I'm going to have win that UConn Alabama game. So that's going to be a tough one, but that this is a good, I think this is a very well-balanced uh
0: uh, bracket. Yeah. Real quick before I move on to the South, what was uh what was your opinion on uh that whole fiasco between Juwan Howard and um Mark Turgeon uh right, last right. week and when the,
1: they, they tried oh, to man. kill each other. Yeah that was strange. Uh, honestly like uh, he completely lost his cool both uh, it was very strange how that happened because usually they were pretty organized team. I mean that could tell you that they're maybe they're not uh entirely mentally ready for some sort of uh for some sort of i mean they the thing about it is they 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 dominate maryland every time they play them uh Mm -hmm. well i shouldn't say dominate but they beat him uh so i mean he used to say that as a number but that was really weird to see i don't know i I haven't seen. i don't remember the last time he lost his cool like that but i mean Mm -hmm. that was really that was really nuts he was really really fired up for that
0: Real quick, uh, just breaking news off the beaten path. AJ Green agrees to a one year deal with the Arizona Cardinals. So, my really? AJ, yeah, my uh, AJ Green jerseys will be laid to rest uh, later oh, wow. this afternoon. Uh, th- thank god they didn't go to a team in the AFC, Arizona Cardinals, fine by me. Just yeah, that's get far as, away, they get, get as far away from the AFC yeah. as possible. So you can, it's not my problem, but uh, that's
1: very interesting how everybody's kind of on that Arizona Cardinals train, how they're going to be like that, they're kind of like building the, the team. I'm like, the team to uh, beat is still the Buccaneers. I mean, geez, yeah, like, if yeah. you want to join a team to win a ring, I guess you could do Cardinals, but I mean. Right. They still got Fitzgerald. They got Hopkins. They got a lot of guys who play like HA Green. That's weird. I don't know. But oh, I, yeah. yeah, so
0: like he did, like he had an issue. He had an issue with, you know, cause he wasn't the guy, you know, last year, Yeah, you know, with T Higgins and, and uh, Tyler board kind of overshadowed him a little. He, so he didn't. So he, he had a problem, you know, having to play second fiddle, uh, as Siri activates itself, because Apple is stupid, uh, he had an issue, you know, playing second and third fiddle to Boyd and T. Higgins last year. So now he's going to go to a place where they have Deon, uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Larry Fitzgerald. Now Larry Fitzgerald is on, you know, was on his last legs, but it's weird, weird signing. And you know, yeah. I like and I like Murray. You know, I like that team and I like the division that they play in. My issue is. I, I, Cliff Kingsbury is, is, he's, he's, he's he's terrible. He's, I I, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't trust Cliff Kingsbury to run my football team if my life depended on it, but anyway, it's off the beaten path. That's neither here nor there. Getting back to the college basketball in the South and the uh, South Southern bracket. I, excuse me. Uh, You got number one seeded Baylor going up against Hartford who the 16th seed. I got Baylor uh, moving on to the second round going up against the winner of UNC in Wisconsin. Uh, don't end the uh, Zoom uh, meeting early because I have North Carolina knocking off Wisconsin. Moving on to the second round, going up against Baylor. I got Baylor knocking off UNC to move on to the Sweet 16. I go up against the winner of Villanova and Winthrop in the first round. Give me Villanova to move on to the second round. I go up against the winner of Purdue in North Texas. Give me Purdue to take on Villanova in the second round. I have Villanova beating Purdue. Moving on to the Sweet 16 going up against Baylor. Baylor beating Villanova, moving on to the Elite Eight. And meanwhile, in the southern part of the bracket, I got Texas Tech going up against Utah State. I got Texas Tech, who made a pretty good run in the uh, tournament of uh, 2019. I got Texas Tech beating Utah State moving on to the second round to take on the winner of Arkansas and Colgate. Give me Arkansas to knock off Colgate. Texas Tech going against Arkansas in the second round. Give me Texas Tech move on to the Sweet 16. Meanwhile, you have Florida and Virginia Tech on the uh, southern part of the bracket. Florida versus Virginia Tech. I, excuse me. I got Florida knocking off Virginia Tech. Moving on to the second round, going up against the winner of Ohio State and Oral Roberts. Give me Florida. or Excuse me. Give me Ohio State. State to knock off Oral Roberts, move on to the second round to play Florida. I believe uh, OSU is going to knock off Florida, move on to the Sweet 16 to take on Texas Tech. Texas Tech going up against Ohio State in the Sweet 16. Ohio State, I believe, is going to knock off Texas Tech in the Elite Eight to take on Baylor. Baylor going up against Ohio State in the Elite Eight. Give me Baylor to win the Southern bracket and to be the third team. I pick to move on to the final four.
1: Okay. Uh, I think there's also brackets another interesting one. Uh, I think there's a lot of um, uh, teams that are kind of middle of the pack here. Uh, Baylor, I would obviously take you over Hartford. I think Baylor is so good at scoring, uh, especially from the guard position. Their bigs are good. They're not great. They're serviceable. They're not huge guys. So that's good that they didn't get anybody with other than Purdue. Because uh, Purdue's got that 7-4 freshman. I forget his name. Uh, but he – I don't really know. I think a big – a team with a lot of bigs could really be the team to really give Baylor uh, some fits. But, obviously, they don't really – other than UNC, a little bit. Uh, so, that's going to be interesting to follow, especially if UNC wins that game. UNC has a front court to kind of make Baylor a little annoyed. But I don't know if their guards can keep up with Baylor's guards because the Baylor's guards are just the best in the country. Uh, I would definitely take Baylor. Uh, I mean <laughs> – I don't really know with this UNC Wisconsin game. Uh, obviously, I want to choose Wisconsin, and if I have Wisconsin winning, I'll have them losing second round. So in that case, I would only lose like a point in terms of the bracket uh, challenges and everything like that. So I, I, keep, I won't say anything there because I think I'll have Baylor move on to the Sweet 16 anyway. Uh, right. I'm gonna—I'll t- probably take Wisconsin just for the hell of it, just because <laughs> it's Wisconsin. It's your—it's uh,
0: your school. You have to.
1: I, I feel like I have to. Uh, and another interesting one uh, is this Winthrop game. I think Winthrop's going to win this game. Uh, Nova is um, hobbling, hobbling at the moment. Gillespie, they're 0-2 since Gillespie went down. Justin Moore has a high ankle sprain. He'll be ready. He'll, I mean, he'll play. I don't think he'll be ready to ready go, uh, and he's one of their better players as well. Uh, I think they're, they're not that deep right now, especially with these injuries, and Winthrop is like 11th in the country in pace. Uh, I think Winthrop shoots a lot of threes. They dominated their conference this year. They were all over teams. I think this is a dangerous team. Uh, they can shoot. Uh, I think this is a, a, an upset potential team. i will definitely take Winthrop in this game. Purdue, Purdue's been in the Sweet 16, I think like the last two or three tournaments. So uh, I think Purdue will win this game. They're usually good in the tournament. They know how to play. Uh, Travion Williams is a great player. They got that big kid who's going to be a mismatch for a lot of, a lot of teams. Uh, I think i will definitely take Purdue in these games, in that game. Uh, Texas Tech I think Texas Tech is a a lot of people have them as like a lower tier uh, team to make a run like that. Uh, Obviously they know how to do it because uh, Beard's a great coach and everything like that. Uh, McClung's a good player they got a lot they got a couple guys who could score their experience with scoring. I think these big 12 teams are going to be dangerous because of the the amount of scoring that they dealt with in that regular season because that that conference scores. Uh, Texas Tech I'll definitely take over Utah State. Arkansas is dangerous. uh, Moses Moody is a really strong player. They shoot a lot of threes. I think this game is going to be a really, really fun game to watch, this Arkansas Colgate game. They both shoot a lot of threes. They play fast. There's going to be a lot of scoring. I could see this being a little bit of like uh, just a a race, and it's going to be very, very interesting to see if uh, Colgate can keep up with Arkansas shooting. I know Moody shoots like 45% from three, so both teams can really score. Arkansas has played well as of late. I'll probably take Arkansas in that game. Uh, Florida, I think Florida's a little overrated. I'm going to take Virginia Tech in this game. Virginia Tech hadn't really played well in the last uh, few games, but I do think they'll turn it around. They're usually good in these type of spots. Uh, And I don't think – I think Florida's uh, very overrated. Uh, (laughs) Ohio State, I'll definitely take Ohio State in that game. I can't see Or Roberts really competing with them in that regard. Uh, And as for that Ohio State-Virginia Tech game, I do think Virginia Tech could be a team to move on in that scenario. But I'm probably going to take Ohio State in that game. I don't want to have too many uh, double-digit seeds move on that late because I might have Ohio do it and I might have a team like LSU do it. So I don't really know who I'm going to do that. I don't really know what I'd take in that game yet. I probably would take OSU to be safe. Uh, I don't think OSU is that good, but they have played well as of late. Uh, They had a terrible end of the Big Ten regular season, and then they played well in the tournament. So that's that's an interesting team to follow. I do think Arkansas will beat Texas Tech. I think Arkansas can shoot. I think they're going to be ready to play. They're going to want to play. They're going to be motivated for this game. I think that's the team to move on there. Uh, And as for that Winthrop-Purdue game, that's going to be a fun game. Uh, Part of me wants that Winthrop team to be the sort of the team that makes that Sweet 16, maybe Elite Eight run. So uh, as for the sake of rooting for that game, I want Winthrop to move on and play Baylor. I'll have Baylor probably beat UNC even though UNC does have a shot to beat him because UNC has the front court to do it. And I think a front court is going to be the reason to kind of get in Baylor's face a little bit. You got to get some rebounds. You got a lot of twos up, get foul trouble, a whole thing like that. Um, and then as for the rest of the tournament, uh, that rest of this bracket, uh, it depends. I Obviously I'm not, I'm undecided on a lot of these picks. Uh, I'm really going to have to think about it. And at the end of the day, it's really a gut call. Nobody gets these right. Uh, I might have – probably not Arkansas. I might have the winner that uh, Virginia Tech-Ohio State game to beat Arkansas. And then as for the other side, I don't think I'll have Wintop go that, that far. So I don't know if they'll have him beat Baylor or UNC or whoever it is. I can't see UNC making that deep of a run, so I might have to hold him to Baylor, and then maybe Baylor moves on. But I don't, I don't want to be that sort of trendy – And then Mm -hmm. the teams who I think could exit, I mean, I'd I'd see a team like Texas Tech, I'd see a team like Arkansas, and I'd see a team like Baylor. I can't see Ohio State leaving this bracket. I can't see Purdue leaving this bracket, and I definitely can't see Villanova leaving this bracket. But Mm -hmm. it should be interesting teams to follow. Uh, And then those three teams I would probably take to move on.
0: The last one, the Midwest bracket. You got the Big Ten champion. Tournament champion Illinois at 23 and 6 going up against Drexel. I got Illinois advancing <laughs> to the second round there. Loyola, Chicago making their appearance in the NCAA tournament. Uh, 101 year old. Uh, Chaplain uh, Sister Jean will also make an appearance as well, going up against Georgia Tech. Give me Georgia Tech to knock off Layola, Chicago advance to the second round and get knocked off by Illinois, who I believe will advance to the Sweet 16. Meanwhile, you got Tennessee and Oregon State. Give me uh, Oregon State to beat Tennessee. Move on to the second round. Oklahoma State going up against Liberty. Uh, I believe Oklahoma State will knock off Liberty in advance to the second round and beat Oregon State to move on to the Sweet 16 to go up against Illinois. I believe Illinois will knock off Oklahoma State in advance to the uh, bracket final in the Elite Eight. Meanwhile, San Diego State going up against Syracuse. Give me Syracuse to knock off a, or yeah, give me Syracuse to knock off San Diego State to move on to the second round and play the winner of Virginia versus Morehead State. Give me Virginia excuse me, West Virginia to knock off Moorhead State, advance to the second round and lose to Syracuse, to uh Syracuse move, move on, excuse me, to the Sweet 16. Meanwhile, you have Clemson and Rutgers. Give me Clemson to knock off Rutgers in the first round to move on to the second round to play the winner of Houston versus Cleveland State. Give me Houston to knock off Cleveland State to go up against Clemson. Clemson and Houston, give me Clemson, move on to the Sweet 16 to go up against the winner of Syracuse and West Virginia. Give me Syracuse to knock off West Virginia, and move on to the Sweet 16, uh, Syracuse versus Clemson. Give me Clemson move on to the Elite Eight go up against Illinois. Illinois versus Clemson in the uh, bracket final. Give me Illinois to knock off Clemson to move on and be my fourth and final pick to the final four. So as a okay. recap, recap, Gonzaga, Michigan, Illinois, Baylor, all number one seeds. Moving on to the final four.
1: A lot of people have said that. A lot of people have said it's a top-heavy tournament with those top four. Uh, I think Illinois and someone like Baylor and Gonzaga, a lot of people think they're head and shoulders above the rest. But, uh, yeah, so as for this uh, bracket, I do think Illinois is the most dangerous team there. I think this uh, Loyola-Chicago-Georgia Tech game is the best game of this first uh, round of 64. I think Loyola-Chicago has obviously got the mojo with them. They're a good team, too. Uh, they hit their shots. But Georgia techs I think, got some of the best defense in this tournament. So that, that that's very interesting. Alvarado is going to be a name to follow. And if he can pressure them and get some steals, I mean, they, they were doing that all through the ACC tournament. So that that's a dangerous team to follow. I'd probably take Georgia Tech in that game because of the defense. I think defense does carry its weight in these games. Uh, and then as for this Oregon State, I mean, Tennessee's had some issues with, um, like, getting on runs and, and staying hot for multiple games at a time. But Oregon State, I I don't know if I buy into that. That uh, that their win against Colorado was a really really good win. Uh, they're a little too reliant on their backcourt. Uh, who is it? Ethan Thompson and something else. Uh, Jared Baker, I think. Uh, that's a dangerous. That this is a dangerous game because I think Tennessee is probably the worst five seed, and I think Oregon State might be the the strangest twelve seed. So that's a really really strange game. Uh, and I know Tennessee lost. Um, fulkerson i believe to uh the kid on florida elbowed him in the head uh omar something like that yeah he elbowed him in the head and i don't know if he'll be ready and Tennessee is not a deep team but rick barnes knows how to uh, coach these games uh their tennis I mean, their sec sec's got a lot of physicality they can hit some shots they run fast so that's gonna be an interesting game to follow i'll probably take tennessee in that game uh, Oklahoma state, I think Oklahoma state's one of the most dangerous teams in this tournament. I think they're very well equipped to make a, a deep, deep run in this tournament. Uh, cause they got a lot of guys. They got Isaac like Keely, who's coming back, who's now back. He was back for the last two games. Kate Cunningham's always going to be the best player on the floor. Uh, they got a lot of shooting. They play smaller. So it's going to be interesting to see how, but they're really physical. So it, it's interesting to see how they match up with some of these bigger teams I definitely have okay state moving on and definitely okay state moving on to that sweet 16 uh, San Diego state. I think San Diego State's going to be a little pissed off about uh, missing out on last year because of COVID uh, they were supposed to be a very high seed, top two seed in the tournament last year because of their, their record. They were high up for the, for the for the entire year, I should say uh, that, that's a dangerous game. I know a lot of Syracuse is a trendy pick. A lot of people like that Bayon, uh connection, you know, buddy Bayon playing well too. So a lot of people like that sort of length and the, and the, and the athleticism that Syracuse plays with along with the shooting. I'm, I'm, I think I'll take San Diego State in that game. Uh, I think they're going to be a little pissed off about missing that tournament last year, Be motivated. They're, not, they're never talked about, uh, and I think that will motivate them a little bit, and, and they'll come ready to play and knock off a big-name program like Syracuse. Uh, and then as to this WVU game, I do not think WVU will lose this game. Uh, that's a tough game to call because I don't want all – I don't know if I want all the three seeds winning, but in this one we're doing right now, I do. So I might have one of them get knocked off. I'm not sure Mm -hmm. Uh, because some of the three seeds, I mean, Big 12 usually has teams that usually botch some of these games as high seeds might be WVU. I do think WVU is probably the worst. Actually, no, I think Kansas is the worst three seed, Uh, but WVU is a good team. So I'm going to, I'll take them for now. I don't want to take all favorites going into this, but I might. Um, I'll take WVU in that game. Clemson, I think that's stout Clemson defense. They can't score that well, but they got very, very good defense. I think they'll definitely take down Rutgers. I think Rutgers is very overrated. Uh, Houston played well in their game against Cincinnati. They're not really challenged that much and they dominated Cincinnati. So they're going to be hot. They're going to be ready to go. Uh, uh, Dejan Giroux, he's a good player and, Quinton Grimes is a very dynamic scorer, so I'm going to take them. I'd probably have them taking uh, taking down Clemson too. And then that San Diego State WVU game, I think that's one of the tougher games to call because I think if San Diego State gets going, they're going to be very, very uh, a risky team to play. And I think WVU is very hit or miss. Uh, I don't know. I think they have a tendency to kind of beat themselves too. I don't know. I might take San Diego State in that game. I can't really say for now because I don't have a bracket filled out. Uh, Okay. State definitely moving on. And I'll probably, despite Georgia tech, I think Georgia tech would be competitive in that game, but I definitely take Illinois. I think Illinois is the hottest team in the country right now. Uh, As for Illinois, Oklahoma state, like part of me wants to take Oklahoma state. Again, Illinois is the hottest team in the country. Uh, Kofi is one of the most biggest mismatches in this entire tournament. Uh, Mm -hmm. I've never seen Garza dominated all year. And Kofi came close because Kofi was all over Garza. Garza was like flustered the entire game and Kofi was all over him, and he was getting rebounds over him. He's dunking on him. Oh, it was crazy. So I'll probably take Illinois to move on to that Elite Eight. Uh, and as for that other game, if it's San Diego State, Houston, I'm, if I'm going to go this far as San Diego State, I might have them just go to the uh, Elite Eight. I do think if they get hot, they might be dangerous. I think Houston's a little overrated. They play well, though. I think they're a little overrated. Definitely the worst two seed, uh, in my opinion. So I think uh, I'll take Houston to lose that game. And San Diego State to move on. And San Diego State, Illinois, I'll probably have Illinois win that. Yeah, I'd probably have Illinois win that. And Illinois moves on. So that would probably be – I definitely think Gonzaga and Illinois will get to this Final Four. Baylor and Michigan, I probably won't have – I definitely won't have Michigan move on. And Baylor, I'm still up in the air about I think Baylor's beatable. Uh, I think uh, their lack of consistent big men – uh, really, kind of. I know they got Mazer and, and Mark uh, Vital, but they mm-hmm. they they're, they're they're dynamic and but I think they rely too much on contested shots and I'm not sure how long that's going to last. They've been doing it all year, so I can't really say much. But uh, that I don't really know how much that sort of Jared Butler taking contested threes. Uh, Macy O'Teague and taking and Davion Mitchell taking these contested threes all game. They've hit all their shots for it, seemingly all their shots. So that's a dangerous game to follow, a dangerous team to follow because if they get hot, they get hot. But if they cold one game, I think they can very easily get knocked off. I'll probably have Illinois, Gonzaga, and then I probably take Texas uh, in that in that East bracket, and then in that South bracket. Mm. I I I I think that. That South bracket's tough to call because I could see Texas Tech making a run. I could see Arkansas making a run. I could see Tech making a run. Uh, and hell, even Winthrop. Hey, maybe Winthrop knocks Baylor off. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I, I think for the sake of it, I'd probably have uh, one of Winthrop or um, Tech moving on. I like those low seeds in that, in that bracket. I do think that the high seeds will get knocked off. Maybe Arkansas. Not sure. Uh, this is a tough game to call, especially when you don't have a bracket filled out. So I haven't made my decisions final. You, I'll probably do that tonight, but uh, I think two one seeds will get in. I can't see more than two. I think Illinois and Gonzaga are the two top one seeds. I don't, don't think it's Baylor. I think Illinois is the hottest team in the tournament. And you want to start with your final four?
0: Yeah. Uh, so a national semifinal between the, the West and the Eastern winner: Gonzaga and Michigan. Gonzaga undefeated. They have been battle tested all season long, like you've mentioned. But you know, it's when it comes to these brackets, you get part of it you pick on logic and part of it you pick on what pick you think will be the luckiest. So and, pick, and, yeah. right. And, and and trying to get a perfect bracket is just damn near impossible. It's like the powerball thing. So I, I say, what the heck uh, Gonzaga versus Michigan? Give me a Michigan to give Gonzaga their uh, first and uh, only loss, which is going to end their season. Move on to the national championship. Baylor and Illinois, like you said, Illinois is one of the hottest teams in college basketball. Kofi Coburn is one of the more dominant big men that's in this tournament. Uh, Played absolutely phenomenal uh, this past weekend in their uh, Big Ten tourney. Give me Illinois to knock off Baylor in advance to the national championship. And uh, give me Michigan. What the hell? Give me Michigan yeah. to win the national championship. Mm-hmm. So final, that? my bracket. Can you if you can see it?
1: Yeah, yeah. Finalized. Michigan. There you go. Interesting. Michigan, Michigan so. beat Illinois. Okay. Uh, so for me, since I don't really have a finalized winner of the South, uh, you know what? I'll just go with um. Tough call. You know what? Let's do it. I'm going to go with Winthrop getting in and playing Illinois in the final four. And I'm going to go with Gonzaga playing Texas. And I think Gonzaga will beat Texas. And I think um, Illinois will probably beat Winthrop. I think Illinois and Gonzaga are on a crash course toward each other. Uh, And Illinois-Gonzaga game. I am going to take Illinois. I think Gonzaga is beatable. Uh, I don't know if I'll have Gonzaga go all the way because I don't really know because there's sort of that that curse with the number one overall seed, in the tournament. Uh, they're like, I believe in the last six years, the number one overall seed has not made it to the Final Four. Uh, I could be wrong, but I think that's the case. Uh, and then I think that's a dangerous a dangerous sort of curse. And I think these games are very losable. Uh, I think that game against BYU with Gonzaga with them being down 14 and a half, I think that does show us that they are beatable. Uh, they kind of, they were dominant early in the year. And I don't think people were ready for that, but mm-hmm. now, uh, I mean, they got three all Americans and they got three all Americans at different levels. <laughs> they got an all American point guard and Suggs, all American shooter and score in Kispert and all American big men and Timmy. So that's going to be those three, that three level scoring on the perimeter and in the intermediate game and in the paint. That's, that's dangerous. Uh, they have a cakewalk to the final four though. I think, I think the committee wanted them in the final four. So I'm going to have to take them to the final four. Um as for Texas, I think Texas is a lot of in your face defense. So I do think they'll be competitive in that game. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Texas make that much of a run, especially with Shaka Smart getting his team riled up for that. But that's an interesting one. I do think Illinois will make it to the championship probably. This team, I mean, I wasn't sold on it before the Big Ten uh tournament, but once they started dominating like literally everybody, uh Ohio State, I know got back in that game, but they were they were they were dominating that game the entire game until that OT. Uh, but that's, that's going to be that's, that's the most interesting team. I think, I think IO and and Kofi, uh, Andre Corbello and uh, Adam Miller. I mean, they just got a lot of scoring options and IO and Kofi are the best duo, I think in the tournament probably. So that should be very interesting to see.
0: got any plans for the tournament on uh, Friday and Saturday what are uh, you doing? no I'm
1: just gonna I'm just gonna throw it all on I mean I'm probably just gonna be watching it the entire day I got a couple buddies out here who are college basketball fans so I'm probably gonna watch with them so we'll see what happens but I'm very very excited it's gonna be a really really fun weekend it's been two years that this. I think this is a holiday I think this yeah. is the best four days of the year in sports uh, and I think there's this is best weekend so i'm very excited haven't had it this is the one thing out of everything in sports last year that we didn't get we got Mm -hmm. the mlb we got the nhl we got the nba we got everything we did not get this so uh, i i'm very happy that this is happening and i think everything's going to be good it looks like everybody's fine in the bubble at the moment uh so that should be should be interesting
0: well, you didn't have Wimbledon there, Cali. Cali, got to remember what the, the the tennis scenario. You didn't have Wimbledon. You didn't. You didn't have. You didn't have Federer and Nadal. You didn't have Jukic. only guy in
1: America who will bring that up in the same vein.
0: Only
1: guy in America who will bring that up in the same vein as like the MLB playoffs and the and and the you know, NCAA tournament. But yeah, Abs- I understand. Ab-
0: yeah, of Absolutely, and 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 his little and his little angle for this tournament is uh, Gonzaga, how they've essentially been to one Final Four in Mark Few's tenure there. I have a feeling that if uh, Gonzaga doesn't end up making the Final Four, your father is going to go ape you-know-what on the Gonzaga. Yeah, all I heard about was Gonzaga this, Gonzaga that. Get to a yeah. Final Four. Okay, okay. Uh, is he's going to go final up you. Four? Yeah, he's going to go off you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He, <laughs>
1: that,
0: that, that's his angle. And he and uh, Steve Torrey got into a big fight 15 minutes an argument that he created because he was like, well, Steve, Steve, Steve. The, the conference that he plays in as a cakewalk and
1: he was going back and forth. Yeah,
0: his, his little angle is going to be Gonzaga. Yeah.
1: I, he's uh, watched a couple of Gonzaga uh, games too. with me during the winter. So I think he knows how good they are. I remember we watched the, that Iowa Gonzaga game early on in the year. He knows how good they are. But I mean, I, I, this is the case with uh, Gonzaga. It's It's a different year. The same story. They play teams early in the year. They usually play well against these teams, but then they're not really challenged for like up two months. And granted this season was shorter is a little more compact. And I think for Zaga's case, I think they needed that game against BYU, a come from behind win, a gritty win. They finally got ahead at the end. I think that was good for Gonzaga to get that out of the way and sort of like they know how to play in that scenario. Like they're down 14 at half. This is the type of scenario they could see in the tournament. They're down the Elite Eight by 10 at half. They're, they know how to kind of get back in that game, and they haven't really been challenged like that all year. So mm-hmm. that's. An, I think that was good for them. I still don't know. I mean, that whole battle test argument is still has a lot of merit because that's what Gonzaga is. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they. I thought that Hachimura team uh, two years ago or three – yeah, two years mm-hmm. ago – that Hachimura, Brandon Clark, Josh Perkins, Zach Norville, I thought that team was the best team in the tournament. I had them going all the way, and uh, they ended up getting knocked off. So, I mean, the, the, these teams, not every day, I think especially in a bubble situation as well, I think a lot of these teams are beatable. Uh, I think it's going to be a very, very uh, random tournament in terms of who you see winning. Uh, I think right. the lack of fans will suit some teams and not suit others. I think teams are going to go on runs. I think teams are going to be motivated Teams, some teams are going to be a little flat. We'll see.
0: It's going to be a fun tournament. Thanks, Colin. You did a phenomenal job breaking it down
1: for us. I appreciate it. Jared. Thank you so much for having me on. That was a lot of fun.
0: Anytime, cool. man. Anytime. Hope you have you uh, back on in the future. Enjoy uh, Wisconsin. Stay warm, stay safe. And we'll talk to you next time.
1: Of course. Give me an update on uh, Maryland whenever you're here. All right. We'll do. We'll do. Right, absolutely.
0: Yep. Be back with the like a TIS podcast right after this. To the right. Welcome back to the Amatelaki TIES podcast. Thanks again to the great Colin Russo for coming on. As we switch gears now to uh, outside of the uh outside of March Madness, really the second biggest story in sports this week, and that's NFL free agency. Uh go do a little overview here in this segment, take a break, and then there's a and then there's a part of this free agency that I really want to hit home and and uh, give him my full time and attention. Uh, gar, uh, just to give you a feel here, uh, former Bengals and Giants guard Kevin Zeitler is a Raven for three years, twenty two and a half million dollars uh Shaq Barrett stays with the Bucks uh four year extension up to 72 million dollars uh Jonu Smith is a Patriot four years 50 million dollars uh Devon Gardox whatever his name is is a two year 16 million former Dolphin uh and uh let's see here Andre Roberts is a Texan you got Darius Williams uh, gets the first round tender by the Rams. Former Raven Matthew Judon is going to be a Patriot for the next four years, fifty-six million dollars. Patriots get uh, defensive back Jalen Mills, former uh, Eagle, play, former uh, Eagle, uh, who, who I believe was a part of their Super Bowl team if I'm not mistaken. He will be a Patriot for the next four years, twenty-four million dollars. Um, and, uh, let's see here, Joel Tooney or excuse me, Joe T- Tunney, uh, former, uh, former uh, lineman, for the Patriots. It will be a part of the Kansas City Chiefs after the Chiefs uh, cut bait with two of their offensive linemen last week. That year is five years, $80 million. Um, Browns boost, sec- boost their secondary by adding former Rams safety John Johnson. Uh, let's see. Samson Imbequiem, former Rams defensive end. He goes to the 49ers as well. Um, let's see. Uh, Yannick Ndakwe, former Raven, is now a Raider. Patriots get Nelson Aguilar from the Raiders. Uh, let's see. Uh, Philip Dorsett goes to the Jaguars. Carlos Hyde. Goes to the Jaguars. Corey Davis gets $27 million guaranteed from the Jets. Uh Devontae Booker, two years he'll be a giant. Uh Bud Dupree is a Titan. Uh let's see. Jameis Winston gets re-signed by the Saints. Former Bengal car or Carl Lawson goes to the Jets. Uh Trey Hendrickson, former Saint defensive end, will be a part of my Bengals for the next four years. Washington signs Ryan Fitzpatrick on a one-year deal. Um, Danny Shelton gets cut. Hunter Henry. The uh, Patriots get him. Arguably, arguably the fourth best tight end in all of football behind Gronk, uh, Kelsey, and Kittle. F- three years, $37 million deal. Hunter Henry will be a Patriot. Um, let's see here. Uh Shaquille Griffin, former Seahawk, goes to the Jaguars. Um, let's see. Mike Hilton, former Steeler, goes to the Bengals. Raiders cut center Rodney Hudson. Uh, let's see. Any other thing I need to give you all here? Leonard Williams becomes a Giant. Uh, Bengals or excuse me, Giants give former Bengal first round pick John Ross. Always hurt. Uh, good for two plays. Go routes and bubble screens I don't think will be much of a factor with the Giants. Uh, Chiefs cut what should have been Super Bowl 54 MVP Damian Williams. There will be some teams out on the market for running back, the uh, Patriots and and, uh, and the Seahawks being the first two that comes to mind. Texans reach a deal with Tyrod Taylor. One-year deal, $12.5 million, which makes you think that they might actually... Uh, end up dealing Deshaun Watson. Uh, that remains to be seen. So have that still has to uh, play itself out. Marvin Jones be a Jaguar for two years. Dolphins get Jacoby Brissett. Looks like uh, Russell Wilson might stay put because the teams that he said he wanted to go to the Cowboys, the Bears, the Saints, and I forget the fourth team. Uh, the Saints look like they're rolling with the Jameis and uh, Taysom Hill combo in 2021 at least. Uh, and in 2021, the Bears will get to them next seven segment. Looks like that they uh, have screwed up completely and will not have Russ Wilson on their team. And then the Cowboys, they just extended deck. so it looks like Russ Wilson might stay put uh, in Seattle. Jenores. Jenkins is a Tennessee Titan. Um, William Jackson the third is a uh, is a member of Washington Ravens. Keep uh, Derek Wolfe. Uh, let's see here. Rams finally get under the cap space, or excuse me, getting under the cap. Bears resign Germaine Jermaine Fetty. Bills get it one year. Emmanuel Sanders, who will be a good Robin to, uh, Stephon Diggs as Batman. Uh, let's see. Michael Brockers goes to the Lions. And, uh, let's see. Trent Williams. Highest paid offensive lineman in NFL history. Six years, $138 million. He will stay put in San Francisco. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Raiders get John Brown on a one-year deal. Uh, Zach Ertz says he wants to be traded, open to be traded. And my Cincinnati Bengals bid farewell to uh, big-time star wide receiver A.J. Green. A.J. Green now a member of... Of the Arizona Cardinals, wish A.J. Green all the best. Uh, certainly, it is a business, and his time, and uh, his time uh, was uh, was uh, running was uh, was coming to an end in Cincinnati. Hopefully, he uh, finds uh, prosperity and success as a member of the Arizona Cardinals with Cliff Klondike Bar uh, calling the shots. And Kyle Long comes out of retirement on a one-year deal to join the Chiefs. Uh, Cardinals pick up Matt Prater, Seahawks get former Ram tight end Gerald Everett, uh, and Curtis Samuel, three years, 34.5 million dollar deal, former Panther. He heads to Washington and becomes either Heineke's or uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick's new toy there, and Patrick Peterson, one year deal uh, with the Minnesota Vikings, former uh, St. Louis Cardinal. So that's where you stand, Patriots. Have if you've uh, taken anything from this is that the, patri- the the big time takeaways before I get to the the main story in free agency which is uh, which is uh, the Chicago Bears. But if you've taken anything away from this free agency, is the fact that it's a couple things. It's the fact that it, it's the fact that teams are spending the cap's gone down, but teams are still. Uh, are still uh, not afraid to spend the are still not afraid to spend the big bucks, uh, that's one thing. Second thing is that the Patriots they're tired of uh, you know they only scored twelve receiving touchdowns in twenty twenty. Johnu Smith, Nelson Aguilar, Hunter Henry, and Kendrick Bourne all combined twenty two touchdowns scored combined between the four of them in twenty twenty with their respective teams. Uh the Raiders, they cut Richie and Rodney Hudson, their center, Gabe Jackson and Trent Brown. The Raiders were the fourth team that Russell Wilson was interested in. And and they had a pretty good offensive line and they cut everybody. So it looks like that Russell Wilson and he should, you know, should you know someone should tell Russell that lesson. The grass is always in case he hasn't heard it already, the gra the grass isn't always greener on the other side. And and the other you know and you don't miss what you, and you don't know what you have until it's gone, you know. Going to the Raiders, we have to play Mahomes twice a year. Uh-uh. Um, the the Saints having to deal with Brady twice a year. Yeah, I, I that that also was uh, was uh, very puzzling. And then you go to the and then the Cowboys. It's pretty much the same situation with the Seattle Seahawks, minus you know the the Cowboy defense stinks, like I mentioned when Dak got signed. Their offensive line is probably a little worse uh, than Seattle is, considering their offensive line is deteriorating from those great years that they had with Tony Romo in the two thousand tens, because their guys are either old, they're injured, or they've already uh, hung up their cleats for good. And then you know Zeke Elliott's done nothing, and Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb are no D.K. Metcalf. And then and then you go to the Chicago Bears, the one team that actually looked like that could have made a splash for us Wilson, and they screw it up with Andy Dalton. I'll give you my thoughts on that after the break. But as far as the um, but as far as uh, the New England Patriots are concerned. I'm trying to find the numbers. here. I'm trying to find the numbers here, cause I had them right in. I had them right in front of me. But Bill Belichick has uh, has spent has spent us uh, some uh, has spent top dollar as far as uh, as far as uh, the New England Patriots are concerned, and Bill Belichick is a guy that has uh, that has made it known and he that he has not spent a whole hell of a lot of money in uh in free agency uh if you go ahead and look if you go ahead and look um if you go ahead and look at uh, how much bill belichick at how much money bill Belichick has spent in this off season alone it'll absolutely blow your mind granted I think a lot of it has to do with the fact. That uh, has to do with the fact that Belichick, and he'd never admit this in public or in person, is the fact that Bill Belichick, I I would imagine, was hella annoyed at the fact that he saw Brady leave leave the Patriots, and in his first season with his new team, and with his first season with his new team, he goes ahead and wins a Super Bowl. So I know that annoyed the hell out of Tom, or excuse me, annoyed the hell out of Belichick. And uh, and essentially motivated him to uh, get off his carcass and go out here and go out here and if you know if he can't trust himself as far as drafting quarterbacks are concerned, he you know he could uh, he could you know he could buy his way, unlike you know unlike a uh, patriot uh, teams of the past he could buy his way. Into a, into winning a championship, but Belichick is the ultimate competitor. He's got an edge to him that you that you still see in this free agency. You know, being no being no different. You could see that Bill Belichick was hella annoyed at the fact that uh, was hella annoyed at the pat at the fact that. Um, that uh that Brady that Brady that Brady won a Super Bowl with the Bucks. You know this is a guy that's been in football for a better part of I believe, uh for, better part of of uh, 40 something years, going all the way back to his days with the Detroit Lions and the Baltimore Colts. Is how, is how far Bill Belichick goes, uh, as is how far Bill Belichick goes. As far as uh, as far as uh, coaching in the, in the National Football League is concerned, and then and the, you take the, in the fact that Bill Belichick. Honestly, he has no sign. He's he's got no signs of slowing down. No signs. No signs of slowing down. As as a as a head coach, he still wants to win. He still into it, and uh, and you just and then and, and God bless him and all the power to him because. Because you know, I I did I look I didn't miss the fact that the Patriots you know it's it's like a love hate thing you know that when you're used to seeing the playoff the Patriots in the playoffs for for umpteenth as many years as they as they were in a row it's weird seeing them not in the playoffs and the fact that they're willing to to give Cam another shot. I would uh you know I would like to see I'd like to see the Patriots now are they a Super Bowl contender No, but when you have Bill Belichick, all things are possible. I mean, I mean, I mean, it, you would I mean you wouldn't be shocked out of your mind if the Super Bowl ended up if if the Super Bowl ended up being with Bill Belichick's uh Patriot with uh Bill Belichick's Patriots uh in it, but uh but people were making jokes with Belichick because he had that because. Do- because when they had the draft last year, Bill Belichick went was away from his little control station. Was away from his little uh, was away from his little control station. He had his little husky dog uh, Nike sitting at the computer, and people were making the people were making jokes about the dogs and and the uh, I and the old I took it personally meme from the last da- from the uh, from the last dance as far as uh, you know. Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl. Bill Belichick's like, well, I took that personally, but um, but he he's spending he's spending. I'll see if I can get that uh, if I can get that number uh, as far as the money that he spent this off season uh, for you right quick before I go to break. But all power to Bill Belichick. He's the greatest coach this league has ever seen. He's the greatest coach this league's ever seen for a reason. And uh, and if he wants to go out there and essentially admit that he that he has not drafted as well as he liked, and if he essentially wants to assemble a team that he thinks you know with his uh, coaching genius can get themselves to a championship, then all power to him. And that's exactly what Bill Belichick is going to do. He he's not afraid of a challenge, and he he's probably he's probably never been intimidated ever since he's been in coaching. And he essentially is just going to get the chips that he's handed, do as much as he can to improve the team, and uh, and uh, see and see where the chips fall where they may. Um, but you've seen many of free, you know, invest, and this is with the cap going down because of the pandemic, and you're still seeing teams going out there and spending the top dollar, big bucks, on uh, the premier player that they uh, that you know that these teams feel like is worthy uh to be paid uh, the big time contract you know the patriots being patriots being one of them i mean they've spent they spent over 200 and i got the number here finally they've spent over 270 million dollars on contracts and the and and those contracts that are guaranteed it's over 150 million which is crazy now granted probably the new tv deal has something to do with this new money is rolling into the National Football League because they got their deals uh, redone with... you know, with the networks, and because the NFL is a salary cap league with shared revenue, that money, you know, the players are going to get a piece. Of the, the of course, the owners are going to get the are going to the large chunk of that buy is what the owners are getting, but it's going to trickle down to to their players getting paid and everything else. You know, from the, uh, and, you know, it's going to result from uh, from the. Uh, give me a big name. To this going to result from uh you know the Hunter Henrys the Hunter Henrys of the world and the and the uh and the um what's his face I just said them uh the the page the uh, the patriot um the Matthew Jud the Matthew Judons and the Hunter Henrys of the world and it's going to trickle down all the way to the Nelson Aguilars and the uh and the Ryan Fitzpatrick Fitzpatrick's of the world that are still. Uh, making uh, that are still uh, making bank at the uh, you know that are that aren't uh, as top tier players as as uh, as Judon and Henry are at their respective positions, but it it just goes to show that you know you know these teams are willing to spend whatever is necessary, Patriots included, in order for them, uh, in order for them to get back on that uh you know to get back on that uh winning track. You know you you think Belichick enjoyed you know since the first January since I think two thousand and Eight or two thousand and two, you know, where he, where he and his team are not getting ready to play a uh, playoff football game. You think he enjoyed that all through January, sitting on his ass, and then on February seventh, having having to see Brady leave him and go to a new team and win a Super Bowl there, made made him vomit, made him vomit, made him sick, made him sick. But uh, hey, that's probably his motivation why he went out there and signed and got all those players. That he signed within the last couple of days. Um, but free agency's been active, player movement has been all over the place. You've got big time signings and news popping up, popping up and popping off left and right. Uh, Dak Prescott's taken care of. Drew Brees retired. Um, it looks like Russell Wilson's going to stay put in Seattle, and and for good reason too. He needs to stay in Seattle and just work things out with Pete Carroll and the Seahawk organization and find a way that, you know, and figure out a way to to get to an NFC championship, something that that team has not done since 2014. And Russ Wilson also needs to take a look in the mirror and realize that a lot of the Seattle's shortcomings fall on his shoulders and fall on his lap because he has not, you know, the way he ended the 2020 season was absolutely uh, pathetic uh, to watch considering it was MVP this, MVP that, including from yours truly for the first two months of the season. Uh, it looks, you know, Dak staying put, Deshaun Watson, like he might be on his way out the door, uh, with the Texans bringing in, uh, with the Texans bringing in Tyrod Taylor, uh, with Washington, it's going to be between Heineke and Ryan Fitzpatrick, Alex Smith is out the door, um, but that's pretty much where you stand as far as the quarterbacks and NFL free agency is concerned. My Bengals bolster bust their defense, get a corner Mike Hilton, and a good pass rusher and Trey Hendrickson, very good. I'm still waiting for the Bengals. You know, they let about 19 million offensive linemen go out the door without uh, spending a nickel. I, I need the Bengals to spend big bucks on offensive linemen to protect Joe Burrow. You can't expect, you can't essentially draft your offensive line and expect them to all of a sudden gel together, like, you know, like the Hawks. You know, you, you got you to gotta pick and choose your slots. spend a little for your offensive line, and draft a little for the offensive line. Your offensive line, since you can't be a bunch of rookies, and especially when you, when they probably still have to go through these Zoom meetings and these COVID protocols, at least on the front end of the season, expect them to gel together and, and essentially have no one, you know, uh, Cause any any uh any bodily harm to Joe Burrow. Spend some spend, spend a little for your offensive line and draft. That that's where you can't fully draft and you shouldn't fully spend. You gotta have that balance. Pick pick a couple of offensive linemen you want to draft and pick a few that uh and pick a few that you uh that you want to uh sign via free agency. But the Bengals have not spent money yet on their offensive line, and if they don't, you, you're going to hear me screaming and yell. And AJ Green, uh, appreciate him for everything that he did for the for his uh, ten seasons, nine years as a Cincinnati Bengal. It was time, but thankful that he, uh, thankful that uh, he was a Cincinnati Bengal, provided me some great memories that will last a lifetime. I uh, appreciate everything he uh, did for the Bengals organization and. And for, the, uh, and for the franchise, wish him nothing with the best in Arizona and his future endeavors. He is now an Arizona Cardinal. William Jackson, arguably our best corner on the team. He is now a member of Washington. Uh, Mike Hilton looks like we'll see if Mike Hilton will, will try to uh, fill his shoes. Uh, take a break. Got something to say about what the Bears did in free agency. Find out right after this. Back to the T.I. is podcast. Ending the show uh, with a move that transpired last night. That if you're a football fan, if you're if you're a football fan, it lifts just scratching your head. And if you're a Chicago Bears fan, it left you wanting to uh, wanting to break something, hurt somebody, or uh, or just open up your mouth and cuss words just flying out of it. Uh, and that's the fact that they that the Chicago Bears, the Chicago Bears, who like I said last segment and like you've heard essentially all offseason long, were in the market for Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson. The Seattle Seahawks offered three first round picks or the bears, excuse me, offered three first-round picks, a third-round pick, two unnamed starters for Russell Wilson. Now, and the Seahawks declined it. Now, I cannot get on the bears for Seattle declining the trade. So, because what else we what 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 else what else would you what 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 else could you do? The only way this deal gets better in my eyes if the two unnamed starters are the two best players on that team, in Allen Robinson and Khalil Mack, you give the you want you want you give the Seahawks third three first round draft picks, a third round draft pick, and Khalil Mack and Allen Robinson for Russell Wilson. And if that actually was the case, and those were the uh, you know confidential unnamed starters that was a part of that deal, I can't kill the Bears for the Seahawks denying that trade. If the Seahawks don't want to trade Russell Wilson, which they'd be st- stupid to the tenth degree to, I can't fault the Bears for that. If the Seahawks want to keep Russell Wilson, they have every right to keep Russell Wilson. He signed a contract. He plays quarterback for them, not the Chicago Bears. I can't fault the Bears for that. They get they made they made they made an offer. They aggressively tried to get him. I can't fault them for that. Now do I need them coming out after the signing that they made telling us this? Is that a little tough to take? Yes, absolutely. Especially if you're a Bears fan, yes. But I can't blame them for not getting Russell Wilson if they essentially gave Seattle everything but the kitchen sink and they and, and they and they didn't and they didn't accept it. What I can blame the, blame the Chicago Bears for. What I can't blame uh, Ryan Pace for the the inept GM of the Chicago Bears, who gave Mike Glennon, uh, who gave Mike Glennon forty five million dollars over a three year deal, and drafted Mitch Trubisky. Who? What? Yeah, Mitch Trubisky, second overall in the twenty seventeen draft, and passed over Deshaun Watson and. Patrick Mahomes with that second overall pick. I can get on that man, that GM, Ryan Pace, for for doing something that if I was a Bears fan would make me want to jump into uh, would would make me want to jump into that Green River in downtown Chicago and that is giving Andy Dalton this, the Andy Dalton with as many NFL playoff wins as I have and a big fat zero giving Andy Dalton a one year contract. You know, you, and you know what that's like when you're a fan base. You know, and you've you know you and you've been reading, you've been hearing all the speculation. They're going to go get out, and get Russ Wilson. They're going to excessively go ahead and try to get after and get Russ Wilson on our football team. You know what that's like? That's like that's like someone telling you that they are going to. They don't care what they have to do to do it. They are going to get you, come hell to high water, they're going to get you a PlayStation 5. That's that's like saying, I'm going to get you a PlayStation 5 for your birthday. I'm going to check every store. I'm going to check every website. I'm going to contact friends. I'm going to contact as many people as I possibly can to make sure on your birthday you get a PlayStation 5. And you know what the Bears did? The Bears essentially—they told their fans that they were going to go get a PlayStation Five, and they came back to their fans with with, with a PlayStation with a PlayStation Two that's half that's half broken and they, and 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 the, and the games all scratched up and they can't work. That's what. The, <laughs> <laughs> ha yeah, I guess my brother was listening to me. He's laughing and breaking my concentration. But that's that's what the Chicago Bears did. They they promised their fans a PlayStation Five, and they instead brought back a PlayStation Two, or they instead brought back the original Xbox, or they instead brought back a broken Xbox uh, Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty. That's what they did. And Andy Dalton. Nothing against Andy Dalton personally. Nothing against Andy Dalton. Uh, as as you know as the human being he's a hell of a human being a great guy a great person and a decent football player he can win he can win games for you the same way that he can lose games for you with bonehead asinine mistakes Andy Dalton's hit his ceiling the best season Andy Dalton has ever had before or since was 2015 with my Bengals, in which he broke his thumb he he has never been as great as a player before or since that season Before, since, he's never been as great as he was in 2015, five, six years ago. Never has been. And and he has won as many of NFL playoff games at the quarterback position as a starter as I have, and that is a big fat zero. He did not lost back to back years to the Texans. Lost in 2013 at home to Philip Rivers and the Chargers. Lost in 2014 to uh, and lost in 2014 to the uh, to the Colts to the Indianapolis Colts on the road. He's 4 He's 0-4 in playoff games. The Bears coming off of the season in which they made the playoffs. 0-4 in playoff games. Not to mention Andy Dalton's record. I don't have it in front of me. But he, Andy Dalton's record in primetime games. Primetime games is putrid. He is a phenom- He is a good quarterback when you, when you put him in the 1 o'clock window where he's lost in the shuffle of all the other games. Or in the 4 o'clock window where he's lost in the shuffle of all the other games. You put Andy Dalton... You put Andy Dalton in a game past four past four o'clock Eastern time, where he where he's playing, when you know when the sky is dark and the lights are on, and everyone from California to uh, New Jersey can watch the game on a national on a nationally televised uh, stage. He stinks. He stinks. Me being a Bengals fan, watching him as many years as I did, will be the first to tell you that Andy Dalton in, pl- in playoff games and in the prime time stage more times than not, he's a little better on Thursday night football than he is the big big stage Sunday night and Monday night. But he stinks, and the Bears playing in the same division as Aaron Rodgers and who play, who are a historical front was who a histor- who's in a, a historical NFL franchise who who plays in a big market such as Chicago, who is also a playoff team, is going to get quite a few games on national television. And you cannot sell your fan base when you essentially... Been advertising them for weeks, if not months, that you're gonna get Russell Wilson, and you come home, and you come home, and they're all excited and giddy for Russell Wilson, and you and you reaching and you reaching your bag, and you get out a a PlayStation, and you bring them a PlayStation Two. That's what Andy Dalton is—a PlayStation Two, PlayStation Three. That's what he is. Your fans, your fans had the expectation they were going to get a PS Five. You brought them home a PlayStation Three. That's what that's what the Chicago Bears did. And how Ryan Pace is still employed, I understand firing him close close to around the draft is a little is you know, it's very spotty, but hell, why why allow him to to screw up your team and screw over your fan base even more with this upcoming draft? Get him out the door now. He stinks. He is terrible. Gave Mike Glennon $45 million and drafted Mitch Trubisky over Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Get him out now! Was on the, trying to get Russell Wilson and he came home with Andy Dalton. Get him out, McCaskey's, get him out. What 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 I mean what a disgrace what an absolute disgrace I mean when when you when you think the Chicago Bears can't embarrass themselves anymore from the joke that was Jay Cutler to firing Lovey Smith after after he went ten and six and missed the playoffs by the hair of his chinny chin chin to Cody Parkey with the double doinks to Matt Nagy coaching like doesn't have a clue in the world to fumbling the handling of Mick Foles and Mitch Trubisky being on the same roster and then you go out there and you and you give and you and you subject your fan base to have this great expectation that you're essentially going to give away your whole team if you had to, your whole future if you have to, just to have Russell Wilson in a Chicago Bears uniform, all for you to bring back to them Andy Dalton on a one-year basis. And oh, by the way, Nick Foles is still on the roster. I mean, I I, I swear, the Chicago Bears invent new ways and create new ways to make themselves look foolish. I swear, every single time, from Jay Cutler to this, they invent new ways to make themselves look stupid. And they invent new ways to disappoint their fan base. And they also invent new ways to be the east end of a westbound horse as far as a franchise in the National Football League is concerned. They promised their fans a PlayStation Five, and they brought home a PlayStation Three with, you know, with, uh, with a, uh, with a barely working uh, DualShock Three controller. That's what they, that's what they brought home for their fan base, and it's disgraceful. And Ryan Pace should be fired, A S A P. Disgraceful. I want to thank you for listening to another episode of the Amatella um, Like It is podcast. Thanks again to uh, Colin Russo for coming on. Follow the show on Instagram at Amatelit underscore at a, um, tell it underscore podcast. The show on Twitter at Amatelit underscore it T-I-E-S, At Amatelit underscore it T-I-E-S. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at The J Shield. Talk to you this weekend. Enjoy the beginning of March Madness. Talk to you soon. Take care.